0: We uh, constantly look to the heavens for answers. You know, you find yourself in a time of turmoil. You might look up to the sky, uh, take in the night sky and think, oh, what am I going to do now? Uh, wow. For the first time ever, astronomers have witnessed something that is kind of freaky. It's a black hole swallowing up a neutron star. The most dense object in the universe took about a split second to gulp it up here to give us the skinny on that story and more space related stories, Paul Delaney, York university professor and friend of the Kelly Cotrera show. Paul, it's always good to have you on.
1: Good morning, Kelly. Nice to be here.
0: How big of a deal is this story with the black hole swallowing up a neutron star?
1: Uh, Well, it's yet another verification of Einstein's theory of relativity. It's another feather in the cap of the gravitational wave detectors of of LIGO. It's one of those things that we were expecting to find once we began detecting gravity waves back in 2015. And now, in 2020, we actually did see two particular events. Uh, And it just gives us greater confidence in our understanding of these really massive objects and how powerful the energy generation process is, because these things were seen a billion light years away, a really significant distance. So a very important step as we continue to probe the universe with these very energetic processes.
0: So when, we say, when you say seen, uh, does that mean it's seen through some sort of uh, computer program, or are we seeing this? Like, were they able to actually see this with their naked eye, with the help of technology?
1: No, this is not a visible observation. I, I guess I misspoke a little bit. It was a detection. So the mm. LIGO detectors basically are picking up really, really tiny ripples generated by gravitational waves that arise from the merger of the black hole and the neutron star. So it's, it's a very gentle energy ripple, if you will. It sort of you know, perturbs the space-time continuum And our detectors here on Earth are able to make that detection. And then from the actual signal, we can backtrack and figure out how massive the objects were, how far away they were, and sort of the important parameters that we really want to have as we sort of model this type of an interaction.
0: When this uh, black hole swallowed this neutron star, can you speak to the energy release?
1: (laughs) stunning. Imagine all of the light from all of the stars in the Milky Way galaxy, that's about 200 billion stars, imagine that amount of energy and then some being emitted in a split second. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's beyond my ability to truly comprehend, it's just a stunning amount of energy. Remember E equals mc squared from Einstein's yep. theory of relativity? So what happened when the neutron star uh, was swallowed by the black hole? A tiny portion of the mass of that neutron star was instantly converted into energy. And that energy, as I said, we were able to detect it a billion light years away. Just to, and that's just in that one direction. That energy was rippling out in all directions, not just towards us. So, a truly awesome amount of energy.
0: When there's an energy release like that, do, like do uh, alarm bells go off? I'm not. am I'm, I'm talking literally in, in in programs. Do they start to you know beep and boop and say, "Holy, look at this! This is an anomaly here."
1: Uh, no, not quite in the way you're, you're referring to it. Uh, you know, These gravitational waves really are incredibly minuscule perturbations. Uh, it's very, very specialized equipment that is able to detect it. We're talking about sort of deformations of mirrors that are on order of the size of the proton. So we're talking about very, very small. So, you know, there aren't alarms that go off the detectors register it and they sort of output it to the people who are monitoring these things saying, Hey, there's there's an interesting event happening here. Uh, But in terms of, you know, quote, alarm bells and so on, no, they're not dangerous in that sense. And, you know, Just because we get a detection, we have to go through due diligence to make sure Mm. it it sort of wasn't the local semi-trailer running by the instrument that was shaking us. I mean, we take precautions against that sort of thing. But you always want to be sure that it is really a celestial event that you're detecting, not something else. And that's why it took well over a year before we actually published the results of the uh, detection. from NASA...
0: Paul, it's interesting you bring up publishing results cuz um NASA's released some results back in 2016. The Curiosity rover dug up some Martian clay and scientists have been studying it and they now are saying that it seems like they've found some uh convincing uh evidence that there would have been or that Mars could have supported life through this uh these clay samples. Can you give us a, a little very quick hit on on what they're what they t- seem to have uh based this on?
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've been building the case for a watery environment on Mars back three to four billion years ago. There's been, you know, probe after probe after probe has found more evidence suggesting that Mars was decidedly hospitable back, you know, in the past, three to four billion years ago. So what curiosity, this is over in Gale Crater, has found, and as you say, it was detection about five years ago now, but the analysis is ongoing, uh, the clay deposit that they drilled into contains the types of clay which would have been laid down in not just a very wet environment like the bottom of a lake bed, but it would have taken quite a long time for the development of the structure of the clay that they have found, meaning that the lake wasn't just a fly-by-nighter. It was there for a long period of time, probably millions of years. And even more telling is the temperature structure that would have to have been in place for that water had to have been, uh, let's say, temperate. So a few degrees above zero, say 10 degrees Celsius-ish for, again, a long period of time. Meaning that what Curiosity has suggested is yet another important piece of evidence saying that the Martian environment was hospitable. It's not just a theory. We're finding more and mm. more Evidence, geological uh, evidence that supports this conjecture. And of course, that, that implies the possibility yeah. of life. Wow.
0: That, I mean, that's big news.
1: Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> uh, you know, we, if, you, if you're going to hang out for another few years wandering around the Martian surface, I, I feel that we are going to get that definitive piece of evidence in the not so distant future that Mars was once able to host life. Whether or not that life has managed to survive the transition to the the really inhospitable environment that it is today, that's the next big question. But uh, we are working really hard to uncover the mysteries of the past, particularly with respect to life on Mars.
0: Paul, I want to thank you for your time. It's always interesting talking to you. Have a great weekend.
1: You too, Kelly. Cheers.